And so I was an acrobat in the circus summers. We would tour summers uh, from 9 to 14. And my mom had a just a cassette of Born in the USA. And when we would do these long drives in between, we you know, we were a circus. We didn't have any cool, you know, we didn't fly anywhere. It was all just driving from town to town. And we would drive all across the country. And I would, I would sleep in the back seat with my little headphones on. And uh, in the Walkman, I would just, that was one of the cassettes that I would listen to on repeat over and over again was, was Born in the USA. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me tonight is a comedian, a fellow podcaster, and a big Bruce Springsteen fan, Trevor Rogers. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you what, for those of you um, you know, this is an audio podcast only, but uh, Trevor has a great setup. Uh, he looks like he knows what he's doing. So I'm a little intimidated doing this podcast. Uh, so um, tell us a little about yourself. Well, it's funny. This all comes, what you're seeing mostly is actually from music. So I, I've been into music all my life and making music as well. Uh, the guy that I do a podcast with right now, who's the co-host, was the singer in, in my bands for years. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so music has always been a huge part of my life, and Bruce Springsteen has, uh, you know, been since I was a kid, uh, just a constant uh, part of, of of my life and my creative process. Mm-hmm. Now you're in California, correct? I am. I'm born and raised in. Okay. Yeah. California. What part of California? So right now I'm in Santa Cruz, California. I grew okay. up in San Francisco. Okay, very nice. Uh, one of the great cities in the world, San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if I would move back, honestly, but I do love to visit. It's one of those places where, like, I don't think I'd live there again, but I really enjoy when I get to go back and see friends. Well, uh, that's the same thing. I would not want to live in New Orleans, but mm-hmm. I love visiting it. Um, I say this with love in my heart. Linda is my wife, and when we went to San Francisco the first time, she's like, it's like a clean New Orleans. <laughs> it's just like there's not quite the smell that New Orleans because it's so, you know, close to the Mississippi River and, and all the humidity. Um, she's like, but there's this all this culture and this great food and this just, you know, this this melting of different, you know, neighborhoods. So, yeah, it's it's one of our favorite cities to visit. I agree with you. I probably would not want to live there. But yeah. And most of us couldn't afford to live there now. So it's absolutely (laughs) that is the truth there, too. So um, so let's I always like to start at the beginning. So first off, how are you guys coping with um, this with COVID and everything? How are you doing in the pandemic? Well, it's been a crazy time. I mean, I know it's it's that way for everyone. Our situation is certainly not unique, Um, but you know, we got through the the full first year of the pandemic and went back to work 
uh, got vaccinated and I, we were talking off, off, uh, off audio here, but, um, off recording, but my fiance did actually just come down with COVID or at least she was just tested positive. And so I'm waiting for my test to come back. Um, and so right now it's a little nerve wracking, but I, I feel fine. So, uh, you know, I'm fully vaccinated. I think if there is a breakthrough case here, hopefully it will be mild, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild time. I know for everyone, and we've been really lucky that we got through unscathed and, you know, now it's just knock on wood, but I, I feel fine. Oh, that's good. That is great. And, um, you know, I've been back at work, uh, you know, we went back last May of uh 2020 and so been at the office except for like you know i had a couple of months where i was off for medical reasons but we've been back but um you know we had gotten where we were no masks you know everything was fine and all of a sudden you know starting on monday uh we're back wearing masks we're back to um when we order food, I, I run a contact center. And so we're really busy. We do roadside assistance. So this is the busy time. So we'll often bring in food and, um, you know, we're back to bringing individual boxes. Like you don't bring in pizza and everyone shares. It's like, here's your little self-contained box. Here's your self-contained box. Cause we're just, we're trying to get a handle on this and it's just crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I guess kind of nostalgia for us in a, in a both negative and positive way. Cause it does feel like we're back to quarantine right now. We are literally yeah. back to quarantine. She and I have to be you know quarantined for 10 days. So it does, it feels like, Oh, I remember this. I remember when yeah, we didn't exactly. leave the house and a lot of Netflix, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're just having popcorn. Luckily we had done a big Costco run right before this happened. So we're actually uh, just pretty well set up, but yeah, it is, yeah. it feels very strange. It feels like we're stepping backwards. I, I did. Uh, we did a lot of binging and then, and I really did a lot of podcasting, you know, mm -hmm. because um, I was working from home. So it was a little bit easier to say, Hey, I can, you know, I can take my lunch break anytime I want, you know? Uh, so, Hey, if you can talk at 10 AM on a Tuesday, let's, let's record it. Let's knock an episode out. So yeah, it is. Um, so it is, um yeah i i am hoping that uh we do not have to get locked down again uh texas is um like florida uh and and i promise listeners we're going to get off this but it was chilling to hear the uh dallas county um they the head of our county um is is a judge you know just just historically that's what he's called and he had an announcement on monday that says we are in such bad shape if you have a child that needs an icu bed the only way you're going to get one is a child Dying. dies i saw that and you're yeah. like what you know so yeah just horrible so uh hopefully we can get people vaccinated we can get people you know doing the right things and we can get past this because um I'm ready to see, have an Eastry band tour. Right? <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Trevor, let's start at the beginning. You said yeah. you grew up in California. Talk to me about growing up. What kind of music did your family listen to? What what kind of music was in the household? So my parents were super hippies when I was young. And so there was a lot of, you know, Fleetwood Mac and all the kind of classic classic hippie stuff um definitely they were children of the of of the 60s and and kind of the cultural revolution um 
And I, so, you know, what was funny though, was they didn't have, there was no like born to run in the house. We didn't have any of the original, uh, Springsteen albums. It, it was, it really started for us with, uh, with born in the USA and it's, I have a strange, uh, childhood actually i grew up partly in a circus so there was a circus called the pickle family circus which was a san francisco based circus they didn't have animals it was very small but it was a traveling basically a traveling group of performers who did a lot of circus stuff um and my mom was the box office manager for them for years and i from age 9 to 14 i was i took a bunch of gymnastics i wanted to i wanted to be in the show so i took a bunch of gymnastics and uh at age nine i was put in the show and so i was an acrobat in the circus summers we would tour summers uh from nine to 14 and my mom had a just a cassette of born in the usa and when we would do these long drives in between we you know we were a circus we didn't have any cool you know we didn't fly anywhere it was all just driving from town to town and we would drive all across the country and i would i would sleep in the back seat with my little headphones on and uh in the walkman i would just that was one of the cassettes that i would listen to on repeat over and over again was was born in the usa and so it kind of was you know, I, I think in some ways at that point it was just a default. I didn't really have any connection to the music. I was a 10-year-old kid. I didn't understand the overarching themes of, sure. you know, it, it wasn't uh, meaningful to me in any way. But I enjoyed it. I just liked the melodies. I liked the the driving, you know, force of it. Yeah. Uh, especially while we were driving. It was a nice way sure. to kind of just, you know, I remember the, I remember sleeping in the back or at least laying down in the back seat and kind of the, the rhythms and the rhythm of the driving in the car and the engine. And, you know, it just, it had this very nostalgic pull for me from that young age. And then I kind of lost uh, Bruce for okay. many years and in high school was really gravitated towards you know I got very angsty and it was all I was you know heavy metal I had like listened to Slayer and Megadeth and Metallica and that was you know I, I had long hair and I had like a one earring which I thought was cool and in retrospect was not <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know I I sort of I moved away from all of the music that I had listened to when I was younger. Uh, and then at some point in high school, I think it was it was either sophomore or junior year, someone played or, or it came on the radio or I heard Cover Me uh, from Born in the USA. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is this song is like metal like this. The this, you know, the guitar is amazing. That first opening guitar riff is yeah. just the little, little lead part. And then it's just this driving song. And, you know, what's interesting is I, I know he wrote that for Donna Summer. It was supposed to be a Donna Summer song. Right. But, you know, it was just this. It was so like I was like, wow, this is kind of heavy. Like this is pretty badass. And that's yeah. sort of like opened the window for me to be like, OK, well, maybe I can listen to something other than, you know, just this hardcore metal because this is still pretty cool like this is still pretty pretty rocking and uh and then i i i bought born in the usa again i went out and got it and that was it i mean after that i was down the rabbit hole with bruce and that really and it really kind of opened me up to getting out of sort of the you know not there's anything wrong with heavy metal music i still if i'm in the gym i'll still listen to some metallica or something but you know it really that kind of pried the door open for me to get back into sort of listening to other music and really going into a deep dive on on bruce so i want to go back just for a moment 
you grew up in a circus. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I at I have a nephew that for a while uh, dated a, a a acrobat that was in a traveling circus, you know. Oh wow. And um it it was really funny because um I have two nephews and two nieces. They're all from my um, my wife's brother's uh, family. And um, at the time, you know, the oldest was dating someone that was in the circus. Um, the younger daughter was living in a commune in North Carolina, like this, 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 um, you know, growing your own food and all this, you know, doing, you know, hand making furniture. And the youngest son was walking the Appalachian Trail. Oh, wow. And the older daughter was like, yeah, I'm the weirdo. I, I went to law school and I'm now working at a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I, I am the odd person out of my family. The, the black sheep is the normal one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, what When you did acrobatics, what, what were you doing? So yeah, it was just floor tumbling. Um, I did, okay. do, I did juggle. I, I'm still, you know, a pretty good juggler. Um, and but I, I actually didn't juggle in the show. My mom did. She was the mm. box office manager. But then okay. everyone, as kind of the the years would progress with the circus, they really wanted everyone who was involved to actually be in the show to take part in, in some way. That and makes so, sense. Yeah, and especially because it was so small, and yeah. you know, it just it, there it didn't make sense to have anyone along who wasn't actually going to be performing. And so, you know, we all helped set up the the tent and and the the bleachers and everything, and then we all broke it down. And my mom would come from; she was the box office manager, so she would be in the you know she would uh, sell the tickets and take the tickets, and then she was responsible for payroll and handing out money. And then when she was at the very end, they had this thing called the big juggle. And my mom would run from the ticket booth all the way in and jump on a big globe, this big ball. And she would balance on the ball and they would do this big juggling act at the end. So we were all involved and mine was just a floor tumbling. So I would wear, you know, these kind of <laughs> stretchy outfits and sure. uh, run. And I would just go back and forth running across and doing, you know, back handspring, back okay. flips. Um, it was just like you would see in the Olympics, but you know, less, no. uh, I, I, sir, I'm no Simone Biles. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was no. all, um, uh, so two things. Um, and it's, it's one of those things, just laziest on my part. I've always wanted to learn how to juggle and play the guitar, you know, and I just did, you know, I'm now 62 and I, I realized just take the time to do it, but there's other yeah. things to do. So, yeah. Um, it's never so, too late. Exactly. And so you weren't quite Dick Grayson. No. you know, from Robin, you know, the flying trampese, yeah. but that's still, that's, that's gotta be, um, you know, how, when you go to corporate events, they'll often say, okay, as an icebreaker, give two truths and a lie. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have a great one that has grew served me well, grew up in <laughs> yeah. a circus. Oh, that's got to be the lie, you know? Yep. So, yeah. Um, all right. So you're in high school and, uh, you hear cover me, and, uh, you know, like Paul on the road to Damascus, you went, oh, wait, I, that's right. I'm, I remember this music. So talk to me a little bit about rediscovering Bruce and what about him spoke to you? 
You know, I think a lot, partly it was the nostalgia. I mean, there was this, you know, like I said, it kind of pried open the door and then I sort of felt like my, you know, with manhood, I was like, okay, well, I can, I can, I can listen to this music because it it does, you know, Bruce rocks. I mean, Bruce, that voice, just the raspiness. And I was like, this is more metal than the metal I'm listening to. Like, this is real angst here. Yeah. And so it kind of, it gave me that sort of in, but a lot of it, I think, initially was nostalgia a lot of it was just kind of reawakening like oh i remember being nine ten years old and and listening to this album over and over again and so it was all so familiar to me and uh so you know that was the start and then i bought greatest hits which um you know there, there was there were songs on there because i just wasn't familiar with anything be- before uh that album uh, and so, you know, getting to sort of listen to some of the sort of dabble a little bit without I didn't buy any of the old albums right away. I just bought greatest hits. And then I, I remember, you know, I think for me, a, a big part of it, like I said, there was sort of this manliness to to Bruce. There was this real this real angst and this kind of, you know, obviously all of the car imagery and all of the kind of young man, you know, unrequited love stuff. Uh, it was just all very appropriate for a, a teenage guy, but at the same time, it sort of allowed me to tap into a more emotional element because the heavy metal music that I was listening to just didn't have that side to it. And I did have that part of me that was sort of, I think, a little bit buried, and it it gave me the ability in a lot of ways to tap into a more nuanced and sort of tender part of myself as a teenager as a teenager really struggling and trying to be so badass and cool you know it gave me this ability to say okay you can be bruce springsteen you can be the baddest guy on the planet and still you know i remember listening to um downbound train and you know that the 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 part where it's almost acapella where where the drums cut out and everything and it's just him and, and the keyboard and you know he ends the with I've dropped to my knees, hang my head and and cry. And, you know, I remember getting teared up as a teenager and like actually starting to, you know, tap into some emotion that I I had been repressing for a long time and feeling like it was okay to be both, you know, the, the badass teenage angsty kid that I was and also like starting to feel other things, starting to have kind of, you know, some some real uh, depth of emotion breakthrough, and that was what appealed to me about Springsteen was he had he had all of that. He would he had the teenage angst, he had the the cars and the girls, and but there was also so much depth there. There was there was just this well of of real uh, emotion and real sort of pro- you know it was just more profound than anything that I was dealing with at the time. So about time wise, what what year is this? So this would have been around 95, 90, okay. yeah, 94, 95. I think, I think Greatest Hits came, in, came out right around then. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, you know, I just had um, a couple of guys on the podcast. I haven't released the episode yet, but we were talking about that um, sometimes um, certain Springsteen fans give Born in the USA um short shift right oh i know yeah i know it's almost embarrassing to say that that was my you know connection but but the truth is it was the gateway drug Mm -hmm. to many people you know that's how they found bruce and uh and and there is nothing wrong with being a casual fan and that you know um 
that's all you know of Bruce. But many of us, that you know, once you got that album, then you went to go find other things like you did in Greatest Hits or then later went to other albums. Um, and the reality is, you know, Born in the USA is a damn fine album. <laughs> I know? still think it's a great album. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, since then, I, I did then go back and buy Born yeah. to Run. And, you know, I uh, even Nebraska and all the... You know, I have uh, actually tracks is one of my, one of the albums that I really love is sort of yeah. all his throwaway songs yeah. for him. But tracks, I think, is great. I listen to it all through college. Yes. And, uh, you know, even silly songs like, you know, the Lion's Den and you know, just all these songs that kind of I, I they were fun and they connected with me, even though they never were actually hits that he put out. Yeah. Lion's um, Den is on my list of songs that I would be chasing live, you know, like, like yeah. you know, that because I love that song. Yeah, part yeah. man, part monkey. Even you know, there's yeah. ridiculous songs that like, and even yeah. the, and then just even like hearing the old, you know, growing up, the first, the first, uh, yeah, his first takes at it, um, you know, the, so yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it's funny to kind of, I think that it does still get short shrift. I think that people sort of look at that as, you know, it from a purist aspect, we all have that. There's the the there are the albums that are appeal to the casual fans. And then there's the albums yeah. that we all, you know, love. But for me, again, that, that is, that was my window into Bruce. And that was kind of how yeah. that was what opened the door. And I think that's great. Every, every band, every major famous band has that one hit that brings everyone in. And some people are only going to focus on that one hit or that one album and yeah. that's there's only gonna that's gonna be their only touchstone for that band. Right. And some and some people are then going to that's gonna open the door. And that's what it did for me is it just opened the door. You know, um, I I think back that, um, you know, it was you know, I, I saw on Quorum the website you know where people post questions and people answered and someone said, you know, why did Bruce Springsteen not duplicate the success of Born in the USA. And my answer was, well, if you look at his career, he very seldom repeats himself. So the albums, you know, the, um, you know, The River it was different than, you know, uh, Darkness and then, you know, Nebraska and Born in the USA and Tunnel of Love and on and on. Um, so it it is uh, interesting that when you when you go to see him live, um, I, I think of my buddy Sam, who um, years ago uh, went to a Tom Petty concert, and I said, "Oh, how was it?" He said, "All I could think was this would be the concert that a Tom Petty fan would hate." <laughs> he said because he played all the songs I wanted to hear, all the yeah. hits. And I was a blast. And I think, you know, if I was a diehard Tom Petty fan, I'm probably rolling my eyes going, why is he doing, you know, this over and over again? And um, it's hilarious that, you know, Bruce has such a device, diverse catalog that he doesn't do every song off Born in the USA mixing in the mix. He just, you know, he picks just a few from there. Yeah. And it's just kind of funny. It is. It is. And I respect that. And I appreciate, though, that he does still bring out, you know, he's still I think he's done yeah. Dancing of the Dark at every concert I've right. been to, at least, you know, uh, right. all the ones I've seen um, that he still does. And he will. He I also like that when he does bring back certain songs, especially, you know, 
the the real kind of arena rockers yeah um he often he often reconfigures them he often it's yeah. a different it's a different arrangement and yeah you know, that has always I, i've really enjoyed that as well with the live shows that sometimes you know oh it's a it's a song that i've been waiting to hear forever but you know he's but why would he just do it the way that he did it then it was so big and he did it so many times back then that mm-hmm. you can see that for him he needs to make it fresh he needs to do something with it to 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 sort yeah. of justify bringing it back into the set list and that's something i've respected it's funny you should mention that though about the tom petty concert because i had the experience with you know i i was a not a grateful dead fan i i okay. but there were like a couple songs i really liked i there was an album i think in the dark which had like their sort of hits right like touch of gray yeah. and yeah. a couple others and those were the only songs i knew and my friend kind of dragged me to a grateful dead concert and that was the opposite experience where it was it was a great i'm sure if you're a grateful dead fan that was an awesome concert and for me they didn't play anything i'd ever heard of it was just meandering forever everyone was loving it and i was like i don't even why am i here like i don't want it so you know i like i want the artist to at least bring in a few of those yes songs but also you know you got to throw some stuff to the to the big fans too when i um a couple of years ago longer than that now probably but it, uh my wife and i it was the holiday season and uh they were doing um at the Meyerson uh you know handle handles messiah the choruses okay oh yeah and so and um had a great time and but i said i do feel like i, I went to a band i went to a concert where i knew two hits yeah. Right. Like I knew the hallelujah <laughs> chorus and I know for unto us, the son is born. That's the only two songs mm-hmm. I knew. And so, you know, like I'm enjoying the other songs, but I'm like, oh, there's the hit, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, so, right. Uh, it, it and yeah, you're it is funny, too. Like when you think about Atlantic City has become an E Street song, even though yeah. it was on Nebraska. He's he's figured out how the band to do it. Totally. And I love both those versions. Like I yes. love I love that original strip down Atlantic City yeah. that I think he recorded it in like a hotel part of it in like a hotel room bathroom. Yeah. He was getting like right. those echoes. And I that song is so haunting, you know, it's just yeah. There, that is one of my favorite Springsteen songs, and now I've seen it live with the you know bandified right with the yeah. entire band. Just that the way it it just rocks now, and I love it both ways. And I'm so glad that he doesn't. He's not so precious about his songs that he's not willing to completely rework them if he feels like he can add something to it. You know, and that's great to see. Yeah, um, I've told this story before on the podcast, so listeners skip ahead if you don't want to hear it repeat, but. Um, we were in New Orleans a couple of years ago, and um, and we were at this small, the Spotted Calf, you know, and this live music. It was like on a, it was on an afternoon, and um, you and they were explaining that they just he says just pretend we're in a living room, like we don't. This is, you know, we we don't really have a set set. We don't normally play together we're just kind of this we do this just for fun and so uh they were passing the hat around it was there was a guitarist a someone playing a you know an old stand-up piano and a singer and female singer and so they were passing the hat and um they get to us and i'm pulling out my money and and linda says go ahead and i went okay and 
you know, the lady said, what? Like, well, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. And she's rolling her eyes because she knows I'm going to ask you, can you do a Springsteen song? And she says, oh, Atlantic City is one of my favorite songs. Uh, We'll do it next set. And um, and I was just thrilled because um, not I'm on fire, you know, or, or, you know, that which I, I have a belief that if you throw five bucks into a tip jar and a hat, ask a singer songwriter to do a uh, spring sing, 50% of them will do on one. That's what they're going to do. Because yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a simple song. It's a good song, you know, it's, you know, and it's easy for them to do to get Atlantic city. I was like, really? Wow. That's great. So that's good. You've mentioned a couple of times seeing him live. So I always yeah. like to preface this Trevor with the amount of times you've seen him is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, but uh, for the record, have you counted how many times you've seen him? Yeah, I've only been to five concerts. Okay. Yeah. So you have a story, though, about you have a special Bruce connection that is a family story. And so I want, please share that. So, yeah, I uh, I got really into Bruce after, so after high school, I kind of dove in. And, you know, for me, I started kind of going through the back catalog and obviously, you know, getting really into uh, his what he was doing currently, being interested in, in to see what was coming next. And for me, the, the, the tour that came, that I, the first tour that I was able to go see was when I was in college, I was at UC Davis, and it was um, the Rising Tour and at Arco Arena. And my mom at the time had just been remarried. And I, you know, her new husband... Uh, I just hadn't, she had met him while I was in my first year in college. And this was, I think, junior year. And so they'd been together a few years and they were, they were actually at that point, I think, just engaged. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know him very well. And when I had been around him, you know, there was no antagonism or animosity. He's a really sweet guy. But we also didn't have any we didn't seem to have anything in common. I mean, he was like an international human rights lawyer. He's this amazing guy. Um, But I was, you know, I was a college kid and I was an English major and I just, there wasn't, you know, we were having trouble sort of figuring it was, there were a lot of awkward moments. There was a lot of kind of sitting around trying to talk about the weather or something. Hey, how about those Yankees or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 That was the other thing. Like we finally both sort of found out we were into basketball a little bit. And so we could talk about sports to some degree, but yeah, we just were really struggling to find touchstones and, and, you know, common points of interest. And I mentioned at some point that my girlfriend and I had just seen the scene spring scene at, at Arco and his eyes just lit up and it, you know, it's just, it's something that I hadn't even thought to ever talk about. I mean, we just hadn't even really covered music. I think he knew, yeah. you know, we were in from different generations. Sure. And so we just figured there's not going to be any music that we're going to want to talk about together. And his whole face lit up and he was like, oh, my God, are you a Springsteen fan? And I said, yeah, I've been since I was young. And he, you know, he's the guy that at some, you might want to get on this podcast at some point because, you know, he is a guy who has flown to numerous concerts. He will go to numerous stops on every tour. And, you know, we spent the rest of that evening 
just diving into this. We, my mom was so shocked to walk back in the room. She, when she'd walked out, you know, we'd just been kind of sitting there awkwardly right. as we always were. And when she came back in, we were just, you know, firing back and forth all these different, our favorite songs and lyrics and, you know, things that, memories that reminded, you know, all, all of these all of these uh, moments that we'd had of kind of epiphany with, oh, the first time I heard this song or the first time yeah. this really hit me. And she could not believe the change. And ever since then, so we then ended up going to all all the rest of the concerts that I've been to have, have been with him. And uh, we went to, you know, I think we saw the only, I think the next available was the Seeger uh, tour, the Seeger sessions. Yeah. And then, um, and then after that was probably Magic... Uh, and then working on a dream. And so, you know, we just, that has been since, since then, you know, we have been as close as can be. We just, I think once you find someone that is also a Bruce fan and, sure. you know, you have that in, in common and it, there's something you automatically know that there's something inside you that is compatible, that they, yes. if you want, if you have this passion for the same thing that I do yeah, in the same way that I do you know, we, there's gotta be something there. And we found that and that opened, you know, doors to a ton of different commonalities that we weren't aware that we had. And we still can just, you know, anytime I'm there, he's going to, you know, he sends me all kinds of articles about Bruce and we want, you know, we compare notes and, you know, we'll send each other old videos from different, uh, you know, performances that we hadn't seen before or bootleg stuff. And, uh, that has just, it has created, a bond that I never really thought I would have with my stepdad, or at least didn't know how to create. I, I, I absolutely love the story because, um, you know, the majority of people who join me on the podcast will say something along the lines, oh, I'm just happy to talk Bruce because normally my family is tired of me talking, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm just thrilled you're giving me the opportunity, Jesse. Um, and well, go ahead. No, that's funny because, I mean, that was part of what my mom said, too. When she came in, she was like, oh, thank God, you can go to the concerts together because he had dragged her, I guess, or at least yeah. to drag her to a bunch of concerts. And she is she is a Springsteen You know, she's a cat. She is yeah. that casual Springsteen fan. Right. Who enjoyed uh, Born in the USA, but didn't go right. from there. Didn't you know? For her, it didn't open any doors, and yeah. so she just likes those songs. But she would be that person who would go to the concert and not get what she wanted out of it because she wouldn't know ninety yeah. percent of what he played. And so she was relieved and thrilled that we could bond on this, and it kind of put her. It kind of got her off the hook too. That's kind of funny. Um, what what I find kind of interesting is um, she hadn't she didn't do any matchmaking right like like hey trevor you like bruce springsteen uh your stepdad you know uh I, what's his first name uh his name is steve so okay steve likes bruce springsteen let's you know hey you guys should talk uh that's that's hilarious and yes please um reach out to Steve and say, Hey, you got to join. And so I'd love to hear his side of the story and to do that. That that's wonderful. Um, I, any stories from concerts you want to share? I, you know, I was trying to think if there's anything for me, they've all been, it's interesting. I mean, they all kind of run together for me. Sure. They, it's just one big celebration and it is, the church of Bruce. And that, that is something that has struck me so much is the, 
the almost, um, you know, it is, it does feel like a form of worship to go to this because I'm not religious in any way. And so I've never been, I've, I've been to church just, you know, as, as kind of a, uh, like tourist, yeah. um, but I've never connected with it. I don't understand the idea right. of standing in this sort of huge space with other people and feeling that same thing and feeling this kind of divine presence and being yeah. moved together. And to me, it has been, it, my mom would call it the church of Bruce. And that's, you know, that's where we would kind of go to sort of let everything out. It's, it's funny because Steve is a very, he's a, he's a lawyer. He's a, a he, and a, and a, a professor. He's a, he's been a law professor at, uh, at UC Berkeley at the, the law school there. Uh, and, you know, and, and also traveled all over the world doing international rights, human rights stuff. But he's, as most lawyers are, he's very kind of buttoned down. He, sure. He's a guy who doesn't, you know, he doesn't wear his heart on his sleeve. He's not a, he's not going to rock shows all the time. Right. But being able to see him, I, I think that was the two things that really have struck me from, from Bruce concerts is seeing how the crowd reacts and how I react to it, how it sort of moves me in a way that to me feels very religious and very, you know, it, it, it feels like we become all this one unit. We become, we're yes. all there for the same thing. It's this very, very, um, emotional and intense experience. And then also seeing someone like Steve, because I'd been to like, you know, heavy metal concerts had been in like mosh pits. I'd seen people go pretty crazy for music before, but I'd never seen someone like Steve be able to just let loose. It was like going to these concerts, uh, really allowed him to sort of you know he jumps up and down he doesn't sit down throughout the entire concert neither of us are on our in our seat at all he is so excited he yells he hollers he puts his hands up in the air like it's a revival you know like it's yes. like it we're snake handlers or something yeah it's it's so intense and it's cathartic you know we we mm -hmm. get to leave that concert together with this sense of again just this bonding that really would never have come about any other way and seeing each other in a very vulnerable state too where you do just let those your guards your guard down and you do just kind of you know all of the sort of um you know all of the everyday kind of uh uh politeness every all of that goes out the window and you're mm -hmm. just jumping up and down and acting like a fool yeah and that's not something that we would have ever seen e e either of us would have ever seen the other person doing right. in any context you know couple things remind me of one i had a guest um uh richard hunter he does a wrestling podcast and he used to live here in dallas and was on the sports station and um he's a huge springsteen fan and he talked about that um he's an atheist and he says and the only church i attend is the church of springsteen yeah. he says and um, there's no collection plates. There's no responsibilities. He said every couple of years, um, the church comes to my town mm -hmm. and I, I'm my donation, you know, to the pulpit is a ticket and I go and I feel revitalized and baptized. And, um, my, I, as I talked about my buddy, Sam, who was, telling the tom petty story he um grew up jewish mm -hmm. he said that's not 
that's a joke he stole, but you know, he <laughs> yeah. grew up Jewish. And, um, and he said the Seeger session was as close to a religious experience he'd ever had. Yeah. Just hearing that, that lot, you know, just seeing mm -hmm. that and he was involved. So yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. And, you know, just also being able to go numerous times because I think I, and I wish I could have gone more and I hope there are more opportunities to go. Uh, yes. Um, but you know, like being able to anticipate knowing the things that happen during the show and you're all on the same page, knowing that during bad, badlands, you know, when the, when the lights are going to come up, yes. you know, and just, it becomes this very communal experience. Absolutely. And, and that is something that I've treasured because again, as an, I don't know if I'd say atheist, I'm definitely agnostic. I'm definitely like confused about religion, yeah. but I, I, you know, that gives me a little taste of it and yeah. I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, when we're all singing along to Thunder Road or like, you know, when everyone sings the first verse of Hungry Heart yeah, or, you know, in Badlands when we're all, you know, doing that. Yeah, there is that togetherness and um, it's it's absolutely wonderful. Um, so I'm going to switch gears just for a minute. Talk to me about your podcast. Oh, my podcast. Uh, so I started doing comedy about 10 years ago, doing stand-up comedy. Um, and that went pretty well. I've been super lucky and gotten to kind of open for some of my idols. And uh, it's it's been really fun. It's not something that I think I'm ever going to, you know, I'm probably not going to be the next huge Netflix star. Uh, but I have been able to, to do a lot. Um, and that turned into, during right before COVID, uh, and, you know, we were, me and a, me and a friend, uh, decide, another comedian friend, sort of decided, hey, we should, in order to kind of publicize more of our shows and things, we should start a podcast. Everyone else is starting a podcast. Why sure. not? And, uh, and at first it kind of, you know, it, it didn't end up working out that well with the other guy. He's a great guy, but it just, we could, our schedules didn't work that well. Yeah. And just logistically, it wasn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of let that go. And right before COVID hit a few months before, uh, a best friend, my, one of my best friends, the guy who was the singer in many of my bands, yeah. um, he ended up having some free time and we said, you know, Hey, why don't we do this together? And he's a really funny guy too, although he hasn't done comedy professionally, and we started this podcast called Midnight Facts for Insomniacs, and it's great name, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I've always been, uh, I've always had trouble sleeping, but beyond that, I've also always been really interested in sort of trivia and just deep diving on different subjects. I used to just read the Encarta Encyclopedia, which was this Microsoft thing, and they had this timeline, and you could just go through and just read about every event, and that would lead to another event. And it was like Wikipedia before Wikipedia. And now I'll go down Wikipedia rabbit holes, and mm -hmm. and I love to research. And um, so he is he's the opposite of that. He's just super, you know, not really <laughs> into current events or history. And so we had the idea of kind of me just teaching him about things that we found interesting, and we would pick different subjects and. Uh, and it really, and I did not know what to expect with it, but we just clicked immediately and the chemistry is, is really amazing and it just took off. And so we have been incredibly blessed, uh, to kind of come out right when we did right before COVID, it just, it just automatically kind of, you know, it became an outlet for us. And also it seemed to speak to a lot of people. 
And so now it's been, we have a Discord channel where, or server where people go, uh, you know, there's always a couple hundred fans in there. They are, they're always talking about, you know, the different episodes and then they actually suggest and vote on all of the subjects for each show. So each show that we do is chosen by the fans at this point. Um, so it's really fun. You know, we get to, I get to learn things that I never would have thought about. Um, and some things I really wanted to know a lot about. We just did an episode on North Korea. Uh, we did an episode on the Bay of Pigs. Um, you know, we've done episodes on artificial intelligence and just anything that the fans think is interesting, they'll throw it up in a poll and they vote on it. And then I go ahead and research it and I teach it to Duncan. And it's just been, it's been super fun. It's, it's a really good time. That sounds very interesting. A very different kind of podcast too. Yeah, there there are a couple other shows that are similar that I wasn't even aware of when we started. Um, but we, you know, there is How Stuff Works. We're kind of like a How Stuff Works with a comedic side to it. And we sort of go a little bit deeper um, than I think those guys do. And it, yeah, it, it can it can be really fun. I think it's something that um, if you are into kind of, you know, jumping into different topics, the one thing that I think is, strange about our podcast is unlike something like this where you have a real narrow focus we're kind of all over the place yeah but each each actual episode is very laser focused on that specific topic and i think we go pretty in depth on it um and i'm you know i'm very proud of my research skills because i've been doing that for a long time so uh yeah i I think it turned out great you know um one of my favorite writers um still is isaac asimov you know, oh, the science fiction writer. And, you know, he talked about in his autobiography that, you know, one of the, his great joys was being hot, you know, being his publishers, we want you to write this book. And he has to go do the research to go write the book, you know, so that he could know because you had to learn the subject before you can write about the subject. So I could see how that would be fun for you and enjoying. Um, you know, I, I tend to, this one, I try to explain to people when I'm looking for guests, I go, you know, you don't, majority of my guests are Springsteen fans, but I do have a fair amount of, you know, other musicians, other podcasters, um, and other people join me. I said, if you're passionate about another band, come on and share that with me. Cause I, I love to hear about other, you know, people who are passionate. And we had a great guy on um, who David Fodor, who loves the Bee Gees. And, mm-hmm. um, and we, he and I shared the statement that um, I said, how often do you say when someone says, I can't stand the Bee Gees, do you go, have you listened to anything besides Saturday night fever? Right. Because I don't like Bruce Springsteen. Well, have you listened to anything besides Born in the USA? Right. right. So yeah. So that's 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 that sounds like a lot of fun. It is, and it's interesting that you would mention that because it, I really enjoy the aspect of not choosing the topics because it's pushed me in directions that I wouldn't go. Sometimes they'll choose a topic and I roll my eyes. You know, I'm just like, ah, oh, we did one on uh, crazy, wild, dis- strange fashion fads throughout the ages. And I was not super thrilled about looking into that. It just didn't seem very exciting to yeah. me. But then going into it and, you know, 
paper clothing and and all of the you know cod pieces and things that I just hadn't really even thought about and and why they why they took off and why they became what they were um, and why they went away. Uh, it was really one of my you know favorite recent episodes to 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 look into. So it is you don't you don't know until you kind of look into it if it's maybe there's something there. Um, so that's been a lot of fun because it, I think if I were just left to my own devices, I would just look into things that I already know a lot about yeah. and probably wouldn't be pushed out of my comfort zone as much. Are you, uh, out of, out of curiosity, are you excited about the foundation? Um, I am, I'm looking forward to it Apple a lot. I, I, yeah. I am, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for good things. Me too. Um, the, you know, um, you remind me a little bit of the John Oliver HBO show now, right? Oh, that yeah. because, you know, every episode he kind of, they go deep into a subject. And, I love last week tonight. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, exactly. And and the idea of, you know, my wife and I'll talk about, I had no idea that I was interested in why, you know, making people pay, pay bail is mm -hmm. a bad idea and that yeah. actually you could just you know the whole it, the whole re you know all you'd have to do is hey here's a court date show up and you know he the statistics show most people do show up and you don't have to you know and bail ends up being this you know financial thing for that that cost people and and it's we always end up going you know 99 percent of the time Wow, I didn't know I wanted to know about that subject, but I'm yeah. really glad he covered it. Yeah, he's great at that. That's that's really interesting that you point that out because that's yeah. something I hadn't thought of. But yeah, I mean, I think you know when you get to look into something, you understand, you start to understand what other people are maybe excited yeah. about. And like you said with Bruce, same thing. You know, my mom, for instance, has found since then, since that yeah. day has found certain songs that really speak to her that are, right. you know, she just loves. They, they're, you know, on for their wedding, um, I think it was If I Should Fall Behind, I think was right. the song that they play. And, you know, that is one of my mom's favorite all-time songs now. And that's not yeah. something she would have ever heard without no. Steve. Um, yeah. And, you know, and she's still not, it, there are a lot of songs that she just doesn't connect to the way that he and I do. But, yeah. she, but she will, you know, if you get into something that someone is into, you'll start to understand there's got to be something there. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Thoughts on uh, Western Stars, Letter to You? Uh, you know, I I like it. It's It's been tough for me to... I did watch the... I think it was the HBO where they always... They did like the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was cool because I, I like being able to see a little bit of sort of how the sausage gets made too. Right. Um, I even was watching, I even was surprised that he was using like an SM7B to record some of the songs, which I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, he's using that microphone. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, it was cool to see. Um, and I, there are some songs that I've enjoyed so far. I would say, you know, it's definitely not up, for me personally, it's just not up there with some of my favorite albums. I okay. don't think it's ever going to be in the Pantheon for me. Um, but there are, there are things I've really enjoyed about it. Okay. What Very. about for you? Where, how are you feeling about it? So, um, letter to you, I, I really liked Western stars, but then I grew up in a household that, um, 
to all apologies to the Blues Brothers, we listen to both kinds of music, country and Western, <laughs> uh, you know, where Johnny Cash, Glenn Campbell, you know, Merle Haggard, um, you know, Hank Williams um, were played often. And so Western stars, you know, reminded me of that Glenn Campbell, you know, that feel. Um, and then a uh, letter to you just, I said multiple times that if we got a new president in November and a new Springsteen album and, you know, the fall, maybe 2020 will not be the worst year ever. And so the, the album really spoke to me. Um, and then the little, yeah. And you talked about like the little documentary that's black and white that shows mm -hmm. them making it um, is just fascinating to, uh, there's a scene where little Steven is giving him advice on it and you yeah. go, Oh my God, that's Silvio. It's Silvio talking to Tony. And, you know, and he is, he has said that multiple times in interviews that the reason he was comfortable playing Sil was he had played that role in real life with Bruce. So yeah, it, it was, it, it meant a lot. I really liked it. Um, I think I think it's amazing at 70 that there's still speed on the fastball, if, to use the sports metaphor, right? He's still hitting the, you know, mid-range jumper, to use the basketball analogy, that they may not be the greatest albums ever, but they are certainly respectable and good, and I know on some fans, love them. Yeah, Letter to You, I actually, the two songs that were uh, sort of, christian themed sounding yeah. in the names um and i'm trying to remember but i think one was power prayer yes and then the and priest if i was the priest yes those two songs for some reason i don't i don't know why but those two were the two that really stood out to me and really yeah. connected with me um yeah. and i thought you know the power in his voice too was really like you said he's 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 not a spring chicken anymore no but feeling that the kind of the power in those songs and just you know almost the kind of um the rumble of his voice now he, he there's yeah. a little more even there's some seasoning there too yes there is there in the past and you know that was those two songs i it just those really connected with me and i was able to kind of feel partly the a little bit of the old bruce and then or the previous bruce and then also appreciate the current bruce yeah. like he's he's bringing something to this that he wouldn't have been able to say or wouldn't have been able to convey back then yeah um land of hope and dreams is one of my favorite songs it's always been uh, one of my favorites yeah and um i've i've i i've told this story multiple times that one of my best friends uh died and i said it at his funeral when my father died, I quoted Land of Hope and Dreams at my father's funeral. And um, I've always thought that one day my son would quote it at mine. But um, I'll see you in my dreams is close to, you know, um, yeah, that is is it is in the discussion for that. It is amazing. Um, so I, I, I love the idea back to the podcast just for a moment that you've got enough fan base that, you know, they're helping you steer the ship. You know, I think that is really interesting. Yeah. It's been strange to, to have this, the discord in particular, it was started by a fan and I, I hadn't wanted to do it partly because I just didn't know anything about discord. And, yeah. uh, 
it as soon as she started it and she kind of you know i just watched it take off and what's been really interesting is that i thought that the that the way that we would keep it going and keep it growing was that duncan and i the the, the other co-host would have to be in there a lot and kind of this would be a chance for them to talk to us right. i thought that would be very cool for them and it turns out that they like that that's nice but mostly they want to talk about us without us there like mm-hmm. it, it's become yeah. it's become more of a of a you know this is a place for them to talk about the show and when we come in there it's kind of like a little pop in and they're like oh it's you know that's exciting yeah. for them but it's funny because i really thought oh this is I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that it was just mostly a way for them. It's it's a community for fans to connect. It's not a community for us to, you know, yeah. connect with our fans necessarily. And that's been, but that's been really cool to just watch this thing. It's almost like watching a, you know, an ant farm or something. You're yeah. just watching the reaction to each episode that we put out. And they'll, you know, mm. they have a they have a channel for current episode, and they'll just talk about it. There's a channel for for episode quotes where they'll write their favorite quotes from us on there. <laughs> And I get to go in and just kind of, it's very voyeuristic. I get to go in there and just watch and see what's happening. And that's been really fascinating to me. How often do you put out new episodes? We're weekly, so we do every week. So you have to, they give you a topic and within a week, well, do do you have some buffer like yeah okay. so we're usually a couple weeks in advance with the topic so i i'm okay. always i'm always researching and we're in the process of editing the recording doesn't take very long and the editing doesn't take too long but the research is is the the bulk of it and so yeah. i'm all you know literally on a daily basis i'm i'm diving into research and it has been hard since since the end of quarantine i mean this was something that we started right before quarantine and in the beginning we did really sh- pretty short episodes in the beginning and then during covid during quarantine i had a lot of time this was not hard to do i i you know i was enjoying it it was a great it was a it was a great thing to sink energy into a great distraction from what was going on in the world and then going back to work work full-time and and you know i haven't even gone back to comedy yet and i don't know if i'm going to or if i'm going to be able to and at this point you know it it is a lot it is hard it's hard but it's worth it because i i think that if it hadn't grown to where it is now i wouldn't because it's so much work, I don't think I'd keep going. Yeah. But now, you know, we when you're doing a lot of downloads and you're doing, you have a lot of people that are kind of relying on it. Uh, I just feel partly obligated, but also that gives me enough mo- momentum and and sort of uh, motivation to do it. So, yeah. but it is hard, and and honestly, I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to comedy anytime soon and maintain the podcast if I start doing comedy again. I will have to cut the podcast down to once every two weeks. Yeah, sure. sure. That makes I won't sense. be able to do it weekly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you miss comedy? I, it's funny, you know, I missed it so much in the beginning. Um, and there are aspects of it that I really, really miss. But I, a big part of it and what I missed was the, the certain clubs and the certain, like we have this club called Rooster Tea Feathers, which is kind of where I started. And, you know, I have gotten to work with amazing comedians there, some of my favorites. And it's, I don't think it's going to reopen. And yeah. um, DNA's Comedy Lab in Santa Cruz shut down. Uh, the punchline is reopened, but is looking like it's, you know, it's shaky. They're going to, they're not going to go out of business, but I don't know how long they're going to keep their doors open. They may shut down for a while again. So it just all feels very shaky right now. And I'm seeing, you know, there a lot of comedians are, are struggling. And so I, I did one show. I did one show in the last year uh, at at a place called Brookdale Lodge, 
and it was great. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I felt weird because I was doing some material that, you know, I had written during COVID. So it kind of felt a little out of date because I'm like, oh, you know, it's like the, uh, oh, isn't quarantine weird? But we're all kind of out of quarantine now. And mm-hmm. but we're sort of going back in and it just felt weird. And so I did a lot of old stuff, too. And then that kind of felt weird. So I, I really need to just write a bunch of new stuff and see if I can kind of recapture the magic. I had a great time, but it also was weird. It was everyone was socially distanced, so all the tables were set far apart, which is weird for comedy. You want everyone close together so that the laughs are just contagious and exactly. they all feel you know, it just felt very strange. And so, you know, if I go back to comedy, it's going to be once I think we once we're back to normal. Once we're back to something like normal. Do you think the podcast helps to scratch that writing and oh, yeah. being clever bone get our itch i don't know what i would have done without the podcast i mean just for my own sanity during quarantine and then now yeah i would i would be i would be out there trying to do comedy right now yeah if not for the podcast and probably being pretty frustrated about it at this point yeah um i i, I had not thought about it but um last september uh was the fifth anniversary of the the podcast i've been doing this a five years is September oh, will be six. Wow. Thanks. And, um, you know, um, Ken Rosen did an interview. He interviewed me and he did an article for Backstreets about the podcast. And he talked about that he, because of the pandemic, he was missing connections and that my podcast kind of helped to do that. And I do think that is part of why I keep doing this and I end up doing two new shows a week is I like that connection. I like that being able to talk to someone and not just about Bruce, but about comedy and your other podcast and, and those hearing those experiences just mean a lot to me. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so future plans. Um, it sounds like for now you're going to keep going with the podcast and you're debating on the comedy, huh? Yep, that's right. That's where I am. I think at some point I will definitely go back to doing some live comedy. I'm, I'm not going to completely quit. I don't know if I'll go back to ever doing the pace that I was doing. I was doing a lot of shows. I was I was doing shows every weekend. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that that would be sustainable. I don't want to give up the podcast. And I feel like at this point... I'm going to try to fit in comedy and make it sort of an addition to what I'm already enjoying doing. Right. As opposed to an additional stress and or and or another commitment that I can't, you know, fully put the effort into that. it needs. And that's the thing with comedy is you kind of do have to do it every week. If you're serious about it and you're trying to make money at it, which I was making some decent money at it, not, you know, I wasn't going to be rich, but you you have to do it every week and you really have to stay up and you have to know, you have to be going to shows too, or at least going to do, going to do enough shows that you're around comics and you have to know what they're saying. Because honestly, right now, if I went and tried to do a show, some of the stuff that I would have been writing lately is probably really sounds hacky because everyone's doing it. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, I would be talking about the same mask stuff and like, you know, how we're all, oh, you know, now we're all judging people based on how we have pretty eyes, like people with pretty eyes yeah. or, the, or, you know, this is your time to shine or something. Mm-hmm. And and I just I know that's being done because it's just the obvious stuff. And so to, to be good at comedy and to really get into it, you have to be out there all the time so that you know what is already being covered. And you kind of, you know, you have to stay in the 
in the zeitgeist of it. Yeah, and yeah. I'm kind of outside it right now. And so sure. I feel like I would be, you know, I'd be coming in and people would be rolling their eyes like, really, dude, that's what you're going to do now is the stuff that everyone's been talking about for the last five months. Yeah. So I, I would need to dive fully back in. And I don't have without quitting the podcast, I don't have the time to do that. So I, I kind of yeah. have to make that decision. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, good. Well, I'm certainly going to check out the podcast. And this this sounds very informative yet funny right so which is i know the sweet spot you're trying to go to um oh, by the way I yeah I think about this but it with comedy just so you know i go by my middle name so my name is trevor shane rogers and so if you're wondering why it's not trevor rogers on midnight facts for insomniacs that it's shane rogers as well ah, okay and same with comedy if you want to see clips or anything shane rogers.net okay. has, okay. has clips of me. all right very good let me make a note of that um all right let's go back to bruce just a little bit um, is there favorite songs, albums you want to share about? Oh boy. Um, you know what I would love? I think one of the questions that you mentioned was like what I haven't seen live and yes. to see. Yeah, so you um, can kind of all mix that together. That's yeah. yeah. And one thing that have you seen? So I was a big fan of actually uh, Ghost of Tom Jode. So when that okay. came out, that was kind of the next album that came out after I kind of got back into Bruce. And, you know, obviously it was a very kind of a departure. Um, but I, my girlfriend bought it for me and I just listened to it on repeat. And I was a huge fan. I mean, it just, it, even though it was so different, um, just that, you know, it's, it's so intimate. There's something very intimate about it. And Youngstown was a song that I had really loved on the, on Ghost of Tom Jode. And then I've seen now video of him doing it live with this, you know, the, the kind of the giving it the E Street Band yeah. makeover and Niles Lofgren doing this incredible solo. Like, it, right. have you seen the video of, or have you seen it live? Yes. I, doing it? I, I think I've seen it live. I, I, I'll have to think, you know, um, but yes, I, I have to go to my Bruce base and look it up you know uh but yes i believe so i know i've seen the video it's yeah, and, it is great and i'm i play guitar i've, I've played for years and yeah. you know niles do it using the the thumb pick and all of the finger tapping and then just the raw emotion of it i mean that is i've watched that video so many times and uh -huh. you know shown it to other guitarist friends of mine they're all blown away by it uh, it is just amazing, and I haven't I haven't had a chance to see that live, and that is something that you know every time I go I'm like oh god please play Youngstown, um, but that is that's one of my favorites and something that again also harkens back to what we were talking about with with Bruce being able to sort of update and or reconfigure mm -hmm. or change the arrangement of a song to make it a completely I mean that was such a sedate song initially and becomes one of the like heaviest most rocking kind of driving songs mm -hmm. and so that was that's just one of my favorites and something that always kind of blew me away um you know yeah. trevor what's interesting is my first show was the the rising too i that was the first show i went to and um and i i i had not learned the rising i i'd heard it maybe once or twice the album so he's he's doing all these songs that i don't really recognize i don't know i was a casual fan at most and um so when devils and dust came out i did exactly what you did with ghost of tom joke i'm playing devils of dust 
just on nonstop in my car. You know, it's in the CD player and it's just playing over and over and over again. And so when he toured with Devils and Dust, I was like, I'm ready. I have done my homework. I have done my research. I am ready to do this. Um, so Devils and Dust has a special place in my heart for that reason, because it was the first show and the first CD that I I had become obsessed. I had become this, this Springsteen fanatic, you know, and to enjoy that experience. So I totally get how Ghost of Tom Joad just could speak to you that way. And you mentioned The Rising and that, you know, that's funny because I actually, I had, I had been listening to The Rising kind of on repeat before I went yeah. to the, the show. And, you know, this was obviously in the wake of 9-11 and um, it was sort of a, a, a way for collectively a lot of uh, Bruce Brand fans, yeah. I guess, at least to sort of, it was like, you know, it was like therapy for us to listen yeah, to that album. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that was that song you know playing the rising when i saw him live and i've been to i've been to a lot of concerts including you know the some i didn't even care about like the grateful dead but a lot of heavy metal and a lot of great shows that i had seen as well um i've been really lucky to see a lot of great artists but uh the the rising the song playing that was the first time i'd ever cried in a concert and it was very you know it wasn't a sad it wasn't sitting down and bawling it was like so ecstatic and just emotional that like I had tears streaming down my face and every time he plays The Rising and I think he's played at every show that I've been to other than, you know, see your sessions. Um, I have cried at that at that song. And, you know, it's just something that just will always connect with me and it will always be, you know, a very emotional. Even the memory of it gets me kind of choked up. You know? So um, it is interesting that. I have gone to um, about 15 shows and The Rising is the only show, this only song that he has played every time I've attended. Yeah. You know, and, and part of that is because my first show was The Rising, you know, and I was lucky enough to get to go to Broadway, you know, when he played it there. And so, um, and, and so, yeah, that's, I love that song. So I'm right there with you. Um, all right. Before we get to the Mary question, um, I always like to give this, what should I have asked you that I haven't, Trevor? Oh, boy. I don't know. I think, you know, honestly, this is great. You're very thorough. You do a great job on this podcast. Well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's anything I can think of that you've left okay. out. This has okay. been all this. This is everything I hoped it would be. Oh, well, good. I'm very glad and good. All right. So if you're a fan of uh, Midnight Facts for Insomniacs and uh, you're like, why? Why is he keep calling him Trevor? His name's Shane. Um and you're listening to this podcast, um, you're probably going, what the hell is the Mary question? Um, this is, I end every podcast with this question. So Jay Armstrong is a recently retired honors English teacher from the Philadelphia area. And when he was teaching, he would have his seniors in high school spend two days breaking apart Thunder Road um, as a poem. They would go through all the imagery that Bruce does. They, they study the lyrics. They talk about the themes. They compare it to Robert Frost and other poets. 
And at the end of the two days, he asked the question, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Trevor, that's your question. That's a great question. I'd be interested to hear what the kind of consensus has been generally if there's like if you've kept track and kept you know a, a tally like what most people think um i what's funny is i asked my fiance this because she's she's a casual bruce fan but she certainly okay. knows thunder road and she said well yeah she gets in at the end and i said well you don't know that i mean that's you know it, it, it ends before you find out and she said no 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 it says and mary climbed in and I said, no, that's not what the lyric is. She always thought that at the end it said, and Mary climbed in. Yeah. So that she was like, oh, yeah, of course she got in. Uh, and I thought that was pretty funny. That me. is greatness. Because <laughs> um, I was like, no, that's not that's not actually the lyric. Uh, and, you know, I I don't know. I, I fe- He says at, at, at a point in the song, you know, don't turn me away again. Uh, so it seems like he's he's she's she has a history here. Yes. Of not getting in the car. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I want to believe that she did. I want to believe that they rode off and, you know, that they did win. And uh, but I, I don't know what what is what is what is the current tally? Do you have any idea? So I, I have not. It's a good idea. I, I, I should have been doing this all along um, based on just. My gut feeling, 60-40. 60% say yes, she gets in the car. 40% say no. Um, a couple of my favorite answers. Um, someone said that absolutely she gets in the car. Um, often people say yes, she gets in the car because Mary got pregnant, you know, for the river. That's yeah. the, it's, that's the same one. He's used the same name, but he's yeah. also used Mary in a couple yeah. of other songs as well. Uh, someone said, if you think about racing in the street, there's a lyric where she sits on her father's porch or daddy's porch. That's the same porch that she dances across. I'm Mm. like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm. Um, Someone said that Moonlight Motel is the sequel to Thunder Road, that they get in the car, they drive all the way to California, and that he's now mourning Mary's death. So they spent their life together. So listen to moonlight motel and think of that and you will that give you a different perspective um the one of my favorites is a guy said well it depends uh i've I've heard it several people like no she doesn't get in because he isn't worthy of her but he continues later other people say yes she gets in the car but the first time he stops at the gas station to get gas and cigarettes she gets out (laughs) (laughs) yes she bails (laughs) like man what was i thinking um so one of my favorites is he says when it's the e street band she absolutely gets in the car because it ends triumphantly with the clarence's solo and all this stuff when he does it solo she doesn't get in the car because he ends it very subdued and with the humming so um you know um and i've always actually preferred the kind of stripped down yes thunder road personally yeah i do too yeah and so uh absolutely great answer well done sir i appreciate that um i actually um year and a half ago i did an episode where um i took about 30 people's answers and all pitched them together and you know kind of a greatest hits of the mary 
What and number episode is that? I, I will have to look it up and I'll, I'll, I'll email you and let you know. And then um, I'll actually send you a link to the episode. And then Jay, who actually gave me the question, you know, I, I'd never thought of this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Jay's, you know, Jay Armstrong is joining me just the same way you are. He's just telling the story. And all of a sudden, you know, he says, yeah, I do this with my class. And I'm like, and I'm kind of like your fiance. Well, yeah, she gets in because the lyrics is we're driving out of here to win. So they're yeah. together. And he's like, well, if you look at this lyric sheet, you know, it doesn't say we, you know, I'm like, what? No, what? what? I've never thought about this. Um, so anyway, I sent him the file of all the answers. And then we spent about an hour and a half discussing them. And uh, so I will send you both links to the episodes. Yeah, oh, I that, definitely want because to it was, it it was a lot of fun. Um, female listeners tend to go yes more. She gets in the car. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, some of the guys tend to not, and like they'll say, I I I wish she was, but I just don't think she's going to. And then mm-hmm. my absolute favorite um, of the cynical is I had a lady who. Um, Beck, who is not a Springsteen fan, she she's another podcaster. She joined me. She had never heard the song, and she pulled up the lyrics and she wrote, "Oh my God, this is he's going to kill her." Yeah, if he gets to the car. You well, know? I was going to say, I mean, if if all you're listening to is the lyrics and you're not kind of connected with the the song and the melody yeah. itself, and uh, you know, it it is a little bit creepy. Like it's yeah. this guy like trying to convince this girl to yes. to get in the car, and yeah. he's very insistent. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So and it seems like she has run away before. You know, right. yes. like don't run away from me. Get get in the car. Yeah, it's a little bit abductee. You know? Yes, absolutely. All right, um, Trevor, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Uh, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Uh, yeah, so you know, uh, just go- the podcast we do. We have an Instagram for Midnight Facts for Insomniacs, and that's usually how people get in touch with me. Uh, Midnight Facts for Insomniacs at Gmail, and then obviously just through the the podcast itself. Uh, there are links on all the podcasts. You just scroll down. There's a link to our Discord, a link to our Instagram, and link to contact us as well. Midnight Facts for Insomniacs. Are you on Twitter? I am not. I okay. got off Twitter recently. It was just... I, I get it. I'm, I understand. Yeah, no, <laughs> just, I, totally I had get enough. It. Yes, <laughs> had absolutely. Enough Good. Um, well, continued success, sir. If there's... Um, if you have anything you want to promote going forward, reach out to me and go, hey, Jesse, I'm, uh, I'm going to be... I'm, I'm going to have a comedy MP3 out. I'd like to promote it or just to do that. Um, I absolutely adored visiting with you and I'm so glad you spent some time with me. Uh, continued success, sir. I am going to check out the podcast. I think that sounds fun. And uh, I'll also check out the Instagram and Discord. That that sounds like a blast. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. This has been super fun. It was great to be able to finally uh, talk to someone about Bruce. It's been a while. I feel like, uh, you know, we've all been locked in our little cells here. And uh, this has been a great way for me to get this to get this all out. Well, good. And uh, yes, please reach out to your stepdad and go, hey, you got to do this podcast because that will, would be a sure. blast. That sounds you great. You would love him. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, you stay safe. Go get vaccinated. Remember to wear your mask. Wash your hands. Remember social distance. Um, The only way we're going to get through this is if we're good to each other. Um, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Trevor. And we will talk to you soon.
Goodbye. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.